0: We gotta go to the bullpen. Welcome baseball fans wherever you are to the Highland Bullpen Baseball Podcast coming at you all the way from Scotland. Hi there, I'm Richard and along with my co-hosts and fellow bullpen bros, Alan, Yorkshire, Dave and Dave Jr. We'll be running the rule over a remarkable couple of weeks in baseball with home run derby, the MLB draft, the All-Star Game, Olympic Baseball, and the latest with our Mariners, our Tigers, Red Sox and White Sox. So without further ado, let's get that first pitch.
1: So of course the draft is all about getting the young lads, the college guys, I think some high school guys, and what have you, drafted into the various major league teams. Dave, I think they do it a wee bit differently possibly from other sports, but it, it was... It was recently, so why was it recently? And what 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 did you pick up about it?
2: Yeah, I didn't realize. I mean, I was gearing up for the the, the home run derby and the All Star game, and went onto the MLB site and noticed that the draft was actually in process. And uh, as ever, the MLB websites are uh, I think the fantastic. You get great information, and it was sort of loading up real time. So I don't think it was an actual spreadsheet, but it was like, you know, it was as soon as a pick had been made, they updated the list. I think um, if I understood it correctly, there was over 600 players available in around 20 rounds of picks. And it, well, you're right, it's a mixture of high school and college graduates. So you've got, you know, probably 18, 19 year old um high school kids in there and then 20 plus uh, college graduates i could i could see that the top 250 were ranked you know like they, i don't know quite how they do it but they'll have some sort of byzantine way of ranking players on you, you know so that uh, clubs will will know what who's considered the the top prospects and um, so I was. I was looking at the first round order, and uh, I think we've talked about this before. And sort of jokingly said the uh, the Detroit were quite high in their picks because uh, they were getting the third pick in the first round, so they tend to go with the um, the teams that perhaps didn't do so well in the previous season. And Boston, of course, had a particularly bad season last year and they were right behind Detroit. They were fourth in in the first round of picks. Uh, the Mariners were 12th and uh, Dave's White Sots were actually 20, 22nd. So I was looking down and I actually wrote them down and thought, when I got to the end, there was only 29 teams and I thought, well, there's 30 MLB teams and I hadn't read the sort of preamble and the Houston Astros, poor old Houston Astros, you know, our mate, uh, Rob, um, they actually forfeited the first two rounds of draft picks as part of their penalty for, you know, the illegal stealing of signs. And, And then I looked further and as ever, you know, everything gets very complicated, but quite interesting. There was something called um, a compensation pick in between round one and round two. So any team that I think has lost um, a free agent might be compensated for that. So I think going from um, memory, (laughs) what memory? I think one of the teams, uh, what was the trade involving um, Trevor Bauer? I think the team that lost him as a free as a free agent. Yeah, Cincinnati Reds was it. Um, the Dodgers signed Trevor Bauer. So they Los Angeles forfeited its second round pick. And I think the Cincinnati Reds then they got pick number 17, but they also got pick number 30. So they got like an extra one as compensation and then there's something else called the competitive balance rounds so these are the are teams with the smallest markets uh, you know and the smallest revenue pools and again it'll be a really complex formula but every year a certain batch of teams will get this compensation pick again in between rounds so i think there was um, a number of a number of teams uh, benefited from that. Let me just see who they were. Yeah, the the, comp- the first competitive balanced round was uh, Marlins. The Tigers got one. Um, Brewers, Braves, Reds, and Twins. So, so if you look at the the, the Tigers, <clears throat> they got um, yeah they got a third, their third pick, and then they were number thirty two in the because of the competitive balance pick. And they managed to get um just just the way the picks went, you know, they don't always go first ranked player, second ranked player in order. And the Detroit Tigers, without well, going into detail, they got two of the top nine ranked guys in their first two picks. So you know, I mean, obviously not going to see these guys necessarily for a couple of seasons down the line. But you know, it's it's um potentially yeah. Quite important. I, mean, I think I might be right in saying Spencer Torkelson has already played this season. I think he was the last, the yeah. first round draft pick last year, was it? Yeah. So very interesting. I don't know if you guys probably already knew a bit about it. The,
1: the draft is always. I've probably never really focused significantly on the draft because it, it, it's such a strange concept to us. Which maybe is the reason why we we should focus on it. I. My mind is automatically confused by the fact that there is a standard rank. Well, there's a ranking system that somebody says one to 600. These are the guys to go for. Um, I get that you might make slight tweaks because you might be after somebody you think fits your ethos or more importantly, a particular type of player you're looking for. But given you're talking two or three years hence, it does sort of seem logical that you're just try and get the best players going if you're if it was like a football team and you're going to throw somebody straight into the team you would look you would look at a particular position player but if you're looking at somebody you want to develop over three years so I think that's quite quite interesting um I did pick up two things of interest for me uh, you, you talk about the the Tigers there, and I did have a wee look at the Tigers draft players. And so I now have found another Tigers player to find a bit of focus on because they, they drafted a guy called Jackson Job, um, yeah. whose father is Brant Job, who uh, is a top level professional golfer. Uh, interestingly, he was born in the same month as me, which means he plays in the, the seniors tour, surprisingly. But he's a- <laughs> Number of he's he's been in the world's top fifty, so he's not like a not like a journeyman golfer. A number of uh, tour wins there as well. So I was I find that good. And obviously we talked when we did the Masters episode earlier. There was a chap playing in the Masters this year called Cameron Champ, whose father was in the Orioles uh, team back in the day as well. So there is a connection there, uh, baseball and golf. Um, the other thing I found, I don't know if any of you picked up on something unique that our friends, the, the Angels Angels, did in the draft. No, no, Alan. Every draft pick they made was a pitcher.
2: Yeah, I, you know, that, that that's amazing, really, because I did look at that and, you know, I've heard one of the sayings, you can't ever have too much good pitching. So I did notice the Tigers... Um, I think that of their first five or six picks that I made a note of, I think five out of six of them were pitchers and the other was a shortstop. So, you know, I prob- probably do uh, go to yeah. the pitching prospects. Um, but yeah, they must be as though <laughs> they need some pitching, the old angels.
1: A lot of competition for the young lads there together. But so, D- Dave Jr., did you? Managed to follow any of the draft?
3: Um, I watched. Oh, sorry. I say I watched, but I, you know, the way that the MLB run things, we've always been big fans of of how they they contribute um, to the on, their online presence. And I watched some of it, uh, the very start online. I think I'd noticed the Tigers and the Red Sox had quite early picks. It seemed to move at quite a slow pace, but again, that's perhaps me thinking about. The only other experience of a draft I've had uh, was our draft for the fantasy league, uh, and that's quite slick. But you know, I had to think about these people <laughs> in a room making decisions. You couldn't just have thirty seconds between each pick. Um, you know, before I go on, I think, it, I know that Dave will talk later a bit more about this week in baseball. Um, but there seemed to be quite a lot of it. Must it must be a really interesting week for so many people for so so many different reasons? <laughs> you've got the the home run derby, you've got the All Star game. And you've got the simple fact you're halfway through the season. You know, are you in with a shout or are you not? Um, so the fact you've got all these young men, their families waiting to see where their careers are going to take them. Um, I think, you know, there must be thousands upon thousands of people hanging on, on that draft. And uh, you know, I've seen some instances before, you know, the Tigers can draft Dave Ince and the next minute he gets traded off to, you know, to Baltimore, um, he, you know, within 10 minutes he's got two different cities is where he's going to be based. Um uh, but again something we always like to talk about in the show is just that how how we link baseball in with with Scottish or, or British football. Um, and although on one hand I really wasn't interested in the draft. I know nothing about the players. Uh, I know nothing about what they're going to bring to the respective teams in the next few years. Um, you always have Scottish football fans who you've always got that friend of every club who knows what's going on at youth level. And he'll talk to you about a 16-year-old that's that's flying down the wing for Celtic or, or the Hibs winger uh, that's creating absolute havoc. And he's playing two years ahead of what he should. So I'm sure that throughout baseball fandom in the States or throughout the world, you've got similar types of men and women that just they that, that really want to see the youth coming through. Uh, and the other part that I thought quite interested me is We're looking at this as, um, we're looking at this as Mariners, as Red Sox, as White Sox, as Tigers fans. So many of these players are going to spend their careers up and down, is it the A leagues, the the AAA leagues? Um, So you've perhaps got these clubs and if you've, let's say you're a White Sox guy and um, your, your AAA club is affiliated with the White Sox, you know there's a good chance that that pitcher is going to make his way to you. And there's a good chance that you might actually be able to influence that that guy's career long before someone in the big leagues can. So I think it's just, there must be so many people with with a real vested interest in this week, in, in the draft in yeah. particular. Yeah. It's interesting. It, you, you,
1: we, we talked there with the young guys, and we talked there about comparisons with, with football, Dave. Um, I'm conscious the, the Olympics is upon us, and I think the, the Olympics... From a football perspective, is under twenty-three or under twenty-one competition. But baseball was in the Olympics, with it being in Japan, and hopefully that all goes ahead uh, successfully. Um, have you done any research of what's going, what we can expect to see, who who's playing in the Olympics baseball? What what that's all going to be all about?
3: I have. Oh. that almost sounded teed up, Alan. That's pretty <laughs> good.
1: That was quick cool. If only my golf t shots were as effective
3: as that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I had to be looking at it. Again, I hadn't really realised that. I'm a big fan of the Olympics, or I should say track and field. Track and field's when it always kicks off for me. Um, and I know there's been a whole lot of negativity around the, the tournament itself, but I think you take it for what it is and, and we enjoy it this year, uh, whatever we, we managed to get. Um, so when I heard that baseball and softball um, we're, were going to, take part this year, again with our interest in baseball, it just I'll have a wee look and and just see exactly what's coming up, so I could see it's been about 13 years since it was last featured at the Olympics Um, it'll be, sadly it'll be dropped for Paris in 2024 Um, but with it moving to LA in 2028, given that um, there's so much interest in the States it looks likely that it'll make a, a reprise, so uh, as I mentioned earlier it's not just baseball but it's softball as well so uh, t- to those of you that aren't in the know uh, softball will be the women and baseball the men so the softball tournament actually starts tomorrow and uh, so those of you listening just now there's a good chance that some games have taken place uh, each tournament will host six different teams uh, I'll kind of run through them quickly the women's have got Australia, Japan, Italy, Mexico, Canada and the US so you know quite a you know, the kind of heavy hitters in there. Um, And there seems to be a bit more of a staple, although one did surprise me for the men's. Uh, Dominican Republic, uh, great presence in the MLB. Japan and South Korea have got such a a strong league as well. Mexico and the States, again, real influence in the MLB. But Israel are taking part. Uh, It's it's not really a country that I associated with baseball. Uh, So that'll be... Uh, exciting to see all those teams take place. Uh, for those of you a bit like myself that didn't know the difference fundamentally between baseball and softball, um, you know, the softball game appears to be a whole lot smaller, although the ball is significantly bigger. Uh, and the, the bat's smaller, it's similar to one of our cricket bats. Um, and in softball, we tend to there's an underarm throw as opposed to an overarm throw. Uh, and the pitcher stands around about 20 feet closer. Uh, to the batter. Uh, and also dimensions of the, of the pitch. Uh, baseball tends to be about 400 feet distance. Softball's around 200. Uh, and the, the plates themselves, first base, second base, third base, they're all a hell of a lot closer, uh, being 60 feet apart as opposed to 90. So uh, no, it's two, two very similar games, but I'd imagine the women and the men would, would argue very different. Uh, in their own way so it'll be quite good to catch action across both the only sad thing from our point of view is that there's no british representation uh, the women apparently came very very close to to qualifying which would have been a real achievement um but i'd imagine we can all find a team to root for uh, i don't know if you gents from from those teams getting called out if you drift towards the states or uh, or otherwise i don't know if you caught any of the action Dave.
2: I was just going to chip in and say that I've always been a fan of the Olympics and um, this is going (laughs) to give away just how old I am, but the 1964 Tokyo Olympics is genuinely my first sporting memory and it was fantastically covered by the BBC. I can still remember the theme tune, which um, I'm not going to <laughs> sing for you, but you'll be able to get that on online. And uh, yeah, so that's what 57 years ago. I don't think, uh, um, don't think you had uh, baseball in there. He might have had soccer actually, but I do, I do remember the sort of the British medalist. Some was uh, guy won the long jump. I think was it Lynn, not Win Davis. He was a soccer player, Lynn Davis was a uh, Welshman and uh, he won the long jump and backer, Mary Rand and uh, I've forgotten the other one. I think we only got four. I think I'm pretty sure Joe Frazier was, um, Smoking Joe, was the heavyweight boxing mm-hmm. champion. But uh, yeah, that's it. 57 years on, here we are again.
1: <laughs> I'll study the teams and I'll pick one sensibly, although I, I believe a, a betting man would put their money in Japan because I think they're pausing their professional league to allow their players to play, but nobody in the MLB will be taking part. So uh, I suspect they might have a slight advantage, uh, which is fair enough. It's They've obviously managed to get the game into the Olympics. So, yeah, th- there we go. And, and I guess the excitement... It's like um, golf has been in the last couple of Olympics and that's become a big thing for the players and it's good to hear them talking about it. But the, the next thing I wanted to ask you about, Dave, then was um, imagine hitting a home run in the Olympics or, or somebody who hits a home run to win a, a walk-off home run, perhaps to win a gold medal. Uh, but in talking of home runs, the other big event last week was obviously the home run derby. Uh, so... Did you manage to pick up on on some of that as well? Did you see some balls bouncing all over the place or have been hit out of the park?
2: I don't know whether they did this uh, deliberately, but, you know, obviously there was eight contenders in there. um, It was a split quite evenly, four righters and four four left-handed hitters, four southpaws. The number one seeded guy was Shohei Otani, but um, he wasn't in, so they mixed it up. It was you, you matched up against the seeded, he was seeded number one, um, but he didn't play until the the last pairing in the first round. So I watched the whole thing, oh, the whole first round, and it, it was it was superb. Um, I don't know, where, <laughs> where, where do you start? Um, the, the guy that was, um, spoiler alert, I give away the winner already, but the guy who was, uh, he was only seeded fifth, but he was the holder. He wasn't played last year. And this uh, polar bear, Pete Alonso. Have you seen this guy? Have you heard him? He's just the most focused, serious guy you've ever come across in your life. And um, he hits the most, I think they get three minutes, don't they? Three minutes. Um, and they've got their own pitcher. So it's a sort of friendly batting practice type pitch. Um, but it's not an automated machine. It's their own individual pitcher that they choose to uh, to pitch them. So they've got three minutes. It's, it's quite a strenuous event if you think they're trying to hit the ball out of the park with every swing. And during that three minutes, they can take a one-minute timeout whenever they want, which they do. And then there is a bonus 30 seconds at the end of the three minutes and they get another 30 seconds. If they hit, let me get this right. If they hit a home run, at least 475 feet, I think. So it's got to be 475 feet to get the extra 30 seconds. I think they all made it. And um, he hit the most uh, home runs in the first round, 35. 35. So incredible. Yeah, so that was in his four minutes. Yeah, it was uh, it was incredible, and uh, the longest one, um, you know, I didn't think they were going to hit them this far. But the longest one, can you think? Can you hazard a get Well, sort of, i giving away four seven five. They're all hitting them at least one four seven five. But the longest, five hundred
1: and fifty five.
2: Not quite that far. Not quite five eleven. It's uh, five hundred and twenty one, so to of the of the nationals. Um, so it was a pretty, it was pretty incredible to say, you know, it's quite late at night, early in the morning and I thought, well, I'm going to stay up and I'm going to watch Otani. And uh, I had a feeling somehow that it was, he wasn't going to win it. I don't know why. I think he went second against Soto and he got 22 in his, um, in his three minutes and bonus time. And for the first 50 seconds, I think Otani didn't hit a home run, sort of ground balls nearly every time, possibly trying too hard. And then he started getting going and he got to 20, 22 and it was a tie. So they went off into an extra one minute and <laughs> they both hit. You know, this guy doesn't do anything <laughs> other than interested or entertaining, does he? So they both hit six runs, extra runs each in the extra minute, 28 each. So they went into a swing-off, and you got three swings. So it was treated like a proper at bat. So you could, it wasn't timed then. So you could choose. You could not swing at a ball. So you're waiting for, you know, home run friendly ball. And Soto went first, and he hit all three of his for home runs and Otani uh, missed his first one he swung at so he, he was out but still he was exhausted man he was putting so much effort into it Bear in mind he's going to be pitching in the all-star game the next night and playing DH the guy, you know that, this was the moment when I thought yeah, you know I really see what all the fuss is about you know he's just fantastic
1: yeah Dave, Dave did you see any of it? Dave Jr.?
3: I caught some of it uh, and I have seen some of the home run derbies over the years. <laughs> Maybe just some points that Dave didn't mention there that I've, I've always found interesting. Each guy seems to have their own picture and they've got a kind of safety rail from which to stand behind because, you know, you could take a right clobbering uh, because, again, the pitcher is then perhaps whilst Otani's hitting the ball, the pitcher's reaching into a bucket to get another ball, so they're not really kind of yeah. concentrating. Um, but their entire body, except whichever arm they choose to to pitch with, uh, is is completely hidden away, and it's it's just interesting how they do it. Um, further afield than that, you've also got just—I'd love to know how they get the kids for outfield. So you think about a normal baseball game; it's the most bizarre thing to watch. Suddenly, you just see about twenty kids running around in a group that you can throw a blanket over, um, and they're just chasing down any any kind of pop flies right. it's, it's just great I don't know if it's players kids or anything or if they win a competition but you've just got all these kids running around having fun you've got people in the stands again it's America and American sports just have this fantastic way of involving people um, and for what is effective I'm trying to think of a, a comparison for football but you've got people shelling out money to go and watch you know you're not talking about overarm fastballs here at 100 miles per hour. They're, they're nice pitches that, that people are expecting to hit, but they're paying good money to just watch and have this great family day out and maybe maybe catch a ball. So it's it's really quite something to watch. Um, again, there's always something happening, but um no I, I wish I'd seen Otani now. It's just you know I think we're big fans of him on the show. Uh, and it's it does really sound like he is that bit special. I feel every Every couple of nights during the White Sox game, they're talking about his latest exploits. Is he moving ahead at the top of the home run league? No, he's just struck out eight guys tonight. And um yeah, he's just he's a real one off.
1: Yeah. Actually one of our listeners asked us on social media if we if we could just devote an episode of the Highland Bullpen to Otani. So we've we've done a wee bit tonight and maybe we can do do a little bit more one one other time as
3: well. Uh, you should, you, the, should should you give a shout out to Mr Rotani that message Alan. <laughs>
1: yeah, Steve will be impressed if uh, if uh, he is in the same ballpark as Mr Rotani and and that competition um where you win to run around the park to pick up the pop flies Please, if any of our listeners know, please tell us how to enter that competition, because I am only 12 years old, so I think I would meet the age eligibility on that, uh, so I think I would enjoy, thoroughly enjoy that event. Uh, so a few facts and figures there for the, the home, home Run Derby as well, and I, just a couple of things I came across in the last week, in, in the baseball world, and the wider sporting world, because A couple of firsts and a couple of um, world-leading records, but a few interesting things here. So the Tigers actually did something last week, which they have never done in their 121-year history. Um, And actually, the final score here was 1-0, which I think is one of our favourite scores. Was it Richard that plumped for a 1-0 as his favourite score? So the Tigers recorded a 1-0 win against the Twins. But what made this unique was that Robbie Grossman scored the only run of that game. He scored it with a home run, and it was the first at bat of the game. (laughs) So that, that was last done in the MLB seven years ago, never done in 121 years of Tigers baseball. But if that's... Your favourite score? How do you feel about that's the one score taking place in the first pitch you see in the game? Is is that add something unique, or is it thinking I'm here for a I'm here for a, a run fest, and then you end up with a pitching success?
0: Yeah, that is a dilemma, Alan. But I, I think as long as I get my one zip score line in the end, I wouldn't mind too much if it came off the very first pitch of the game. I think I could handle that. As long as you took your seat
2: um, early and
1: you weren't... <laughs> well, well that, that's the other thing. The, the significant number of baseball fans will not be there at the start of a game or or they'll be at the concession stands or whatever as well.
0: Now, Alan, I think among all of the bullpen bros, I think you've probably got the widest range of sporty interests. And it's been a pretty exciting couple of weeks for you as well regarding those.
1: My, my other sporting passions, golf and cycling... Big events last week, the Open. Uh, the Open won by Colin Morikawa, an American golfer. Uh, and again, this is quite interesting. He, he became the first golfer in history that his f- first two majors he won were both won at his first attempt at those majors. Uh, now, The the reason I think these things are amazing, yeah, I know international travel 150 years ago when the Open was kicking off wasn't a thing, but it is quite so hard to believe that you think of all the great golfers who've who've won, they'll have won the Open and then they've said, oh, let's go and try the U.S. Open or or the Masters or whatever, but nobody's been able to do it. And then we've got this young 24 year old come along. He's uh, he's now played a total of eight majors this was obviously his first open and he's he, he's won two and winning the one on his uh, debut is fantastic i would like to see how well he does when he comes back to the open and it's a bit windier and a bit wetter but a uh, fair play to him top top golfer and and the tour de france my one of my other passions threw up a few interesting things as well we had uh tadish podjikar won the Tour. Um, And obviously the tour is ridden in July every year, but it wasn't ridden in July of 2020 for COVID. Uh, So 12 months ago, this guy had never ridden in a tour. In fact, 11 months ago, this guy had never ridden in a tour to France. And now he has won two. And not only did he win the yellow jersey, he won the polka dot jersey for the King of the Mountains, and he won the white jersey for the best young rider Uh, leaving our own Mark Cavendish to pick up the green jersey. Uh, And Mark himself created statistical glory by his 34th stage win, uh, equaling the cannibal Eddie Merckx. Uh, Very different types of riders, but a fantastic achievement in this day and age. And for a guy who many people would have written off, not written off, I could not never do it, written off for a few years. So... um, Uh, Absolutely fantastic uh, to see and to see that happen. So yeah, um, sport for me is not complete unless there's something unique happening to these guys. So thank you to uh, the Tigers, Colin Morikawa, and the Tour de France boys for giving me some statistical history. Uh, uh, I've absolutely loved it. So uh, great stuff. Uh, These sportsmen are stars. And, and what happens with the stars of baseball? They go to the All-Star game. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure you kept a bit of an eye on that and you can tell us a wee bit of how that how that went.
3: We'll, we'll probably talk about the score and I think you've got some thoughts as well, Dave. But from my point of view, the White Sox had four call-ups. Uh, really, really well-deserved. Um, mm. Most of it was in the pitching side. Tim Anderson came in as a bit of a last-minute replacement, got in the pitch... Uh, t- Tim Anderson, by the way, is going through a hell of a run just now. Um, I think he's something about 16-game hitting streak, a 13-game run streak. Right. Uh, he's he's playing really well, but I was really chuffed for him to, to get an appearance. Um, he didn't get in a bat, but he managed to to get on the pitch uh, and play at shortstop. Um, but three other White yeah. Sox were selected uh, on the pitching side. Lance Lynn, who just is having a phenomenal season. Uh, Carlos Rodon, who's kind of a, a real breakout guy, he's, he's having the season of his life. Um, and uh, I I think he could be up there with Otani uh, in a kind of cult way. Liam Hendricks uh, is a real character. <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> he, I don't know if Dave knew, but he was mic up for, no, uh, yeah. <laughs>
2: um,
3: so Liam Hendricks, he's, he's got saves all season. Um, he seems to just be breaking loads of records for the Sox um, and he he pitched the final inning uh, and got the save for the American League which uh, I don't want to spoil anything Dave but I, I believe that the American League are on a bit of a,
2: a run over the last few years Yeah I think we talked about um, the last time we were on didn't we I think uh, Rich asked the question who was ahead and yeah, it's very it's very close, but I think I think they've, they've won the two ahead out there, the American League, but they've won something like the last six or seven or eight, is it? I in,
3: think it's in, eight in now. A, in
2: a row. Yeah, but yeah, I did watch that, and I, I was thinking about you actually because I mean, uh, obviously, I've got a massive uh, Aussie connection, and these from Perth, Australia, and they had quite a few players mic up, and you know there were. Speaking to the man, it was it Bogarts. Zander uh, Bogarts was my up in an at bat. The commentator, I mean, that the, the picture is in his wind up, and the picture is. The commentator says, "What are you expecting here, Zander?" And he says, "Fastball," and uh, so there's a, a sort of a slider away or something, and he misses, strikes out, and. Uh, off he goes, but then again, how cool are these guys, Freddie Freeman, who I really like at first base? He was might up as well. And I was speaking to him as a guy on second base. And um the uh yeah, they're talking to him and the uh, the guy at bat uh hits a ground ball over a shortstop, and Freeman just says, Cool as you like, just says uh, oh double play steps back onto the bag just in time to get the relay from, you know, sort of six, four, three double play. And it's, uh, you know, these guys are so amenable, aren't they? I know it's, uh, you know, I know they're paid to do this and they're entertainers, but absolutely marvelous. But yeah, what Dave talked about with uh, our friend, <laughs> the great Aussie, Western Australia, Perth man, Liam Hendricks, um, he Was my top and he thought it wasn't working, didn't he? Did you realize that Dave? Yeah. Because he didn't hear the commentators. So he thought it wasn't working. So we got quite a few uh <laughs> sort of colourful outbursts. Uh, I think it really it
3: brings a touch of humanity to it as well, and it just it, it makes people so much more personable. Now I know there's no chance of making up Harry Kane ready to take a penalty for Spurs in the FA Cup final. Um but I think it just shows maybe how in touch some of the players are. or If it's just that they don't take the All-Star game seriously, it, it'll be somewhere in between. Um, but you do see in regular MLB games, these guys are mic'd up. I think it's on the, the kind of nights when Fox show Fol- yes. show games, maybe a Sunday night. But again, as Dave said, I've not seen someone uh, batting. But you see guys in outfield, and the next minute, they're actually talking as they catch a ball. Uh, in live playing, you think that's quite, it, it doesn't sound difficult, but um, yeah, I mean, you could be under a lot of pressure if you if you make a mistake. Um, so to, to volunteer and to go out with that, even it's quite often during a lot of games, you've got managers talking to the commentators and just letting them know about, oh, mm. you know, we've we'll got Dave injured, so we're bringing Alan in, he's going to move out to right field and Richard's going to move across the centre field. And they'll try and explain things. And it's not giving the game away, it's just talking about basics to keep fans in the know. And I think it's it's what keeps baseball quite close to the fans. All yeah. these little innovations that we just, uh, we poo-poo uh, over the years.
1: Yeah. I, th- I think we've said it on the show before that something like an all-star game in football, we would, we would look down our noses at. Uh, we just wouldn't see it. But when you see the big stars, and there's a, I saw on Twitter there was always a gala dinner the night before, and they were there with their their their, their wives, their partners, their kids, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and it looked very glam. And you thought, yeah, that these guys are out representing their sport, representing their teams, representing their league, and themselves, and and having a great time. whilst they're at it, and there's uh, yeah, good lessons in there for us as uh, uh, a as, as fans. So yeah, in, enjoyed enjoyed that. That was that was good. Uh, so obviously the the MLB trundles on as well. We're now moving into the second half of the season. Dave, Dave Junior, how how did the the Highland bullpen division? How did our teams fare against each other in the in the first half of the season? Have we got an update?
3: Sorry, I don't. I'm not at my my kind of laptop just yeah, now, no here, um Although that may seem a bit of an excuse, because the the Tigers uh, won. Uh, I think it was the last interdivisional game. Um, I think the Tigers uh, beat the White Sox 2-1 um, really uh, again I've always said it, I think the Tigers are a really good outfit um, you know sitting in a solid third just now uh, safe from danger safe from relegation uh, but Yeah, not, mid, you know.
1: mid-season mid-table respectability and you know? I do count I do regularly count their position in the overall leagues I think they're 22nd just now okay. out of 30 doing well they're in favour in July to date, so we're on track for a third winning month. Richard would have enjoyed last night's win, 14-0 over a team from Arlington uh, called the Rangers. So even Richard cheered that one along. And that was on the back of a 7-0 win over the Twins. So having in that 9-6, they actually lost a series 4-0 to the Twins. But there's something good happening in Detroit. Uh, so uh, well, well done to Mr Hinch and the teams. And, and Miggy's hitting homers, Miggy's hitting getting hits and Miggy's uh, getting RBIs as well. So the, the numbers keep piling up for him as well. So that's, that's fantastic to see as well.
3: I don't know how Richard feels, um, but at, at the moment, I guess not taking anything away from the Tigers, but just now, there's a really good chance that three of our four teams could feature. Um, not just in the postseason, but in the American League postseason, which is a hell of a, a small amount of teams. You know, we could have three from the five potentially. Um, you know, the Mariners have come on to a really good run recently. I think they're only two or three games back, um, and it's a start. I know Dave will be all over things Red Sox, but have watched a couple of their games recently. And by the way, I, I, I think. Boston are becoming my second team. Uh, really, I like the, the character of, of a lot of the players and the fans. Uh, maybe not all the fans, but some some of the fans. Um, there was away. <laughs> was a stat that they came out with, and Dave might be aware of it. So during the the recent Boston Yankees um, series, they came out and said, "You know, we're at the halfway point of the season. Just just after the halfway point, and." I thought this was fantastic, but they were saying if Boston carried on with a 500 season, so 500 is far below what Boston are carrying out just now. For those of you who don't know, 500 would be winning five games out of every 10, Uh, and at present, they're winning six out of every 10. So if Boston were to carry on with a 500 season, the Yankees still wouldn't win the league by having a 600 season. Which would be right. the, the Yankees trying to catch up by winning six out of every ten. Now, from what I can see, the Yankees, the Yankees are just over five hundred just now. So to then have that pickup, um, you, you you may think looking at it just now, oh, Boston only one and a half games ahead of Tampa, only seven ahead of you know, New York, but when it actually comes down to it, over the course of a long season, that's a real swing that has to take place. Now, I know we're talking about fourth place Yankees trying to win the league, but when it's it's still it's it's quite a tight league, um, and for the Yankees to come back, I think it just shows the the power that could be sitting in, in Boston's hands for that division.
2: I'm, I'm not sure how you feel about Boston just now, Dave. Yeah, I think uh, the last time we spoke, um, uh, they were coming off uh, what was it eleven games, and they'd won ten and lost one before the All-Star, well, not, not quite before the All-Star break, but the last, the last time we had an episode that went out on air. The last 10 just now is um, they've won four and lost six, although for the month of July, I think they're actually 500. So some, I think I did say at the time, something's got to give. You just can't carry on winning at the rate they were. And they were converting, you know, quite close games. Into wins. Um, So they lost a couple of series just before the All Star break and uh, against the Angels and the Phillies, two, three game series. And um, Boston won the first game in each of those. Um, But then they went to the All Star break and they had five players in there. They had, um, I think for the first time ever, they had the starting uh, third baseman in Raffi Divas and the shortstop. Sander Bogarts. I think that's the first time they've had those two positions as starters um, in their franchise history. Plus they had um, JD Martinez who came in as the DH as uh, Shohei Otani um, went out of the game. And uh, they also had a starting pitcher of and and um, their closer, Barnes. So they were really well represented which shows you how well they've been doing um, they've got a very busy July uh, you know I think they've got something like although they're supposed to have 17 games in 17 days but the first game against the Yankees was was called off it was going to be the only game on the Thursday after the All-Star game I think it was and um, I think uh, the Yankees have got a COVID in the camp didn't they and there were six players they already got quite a few injuries the Yankees six additional players out including their one real star of the season Aaron Judge so um, yeah so going into that they missed the first game and the first game of the season the Red Sox won four to nothing a really uh, really good win And the next game which I watched live and it was it looked like well I watched it as live the next day and I thought it'd been called off because there was really bad rain but um, they managed to play through the rain. It was really strong rain, and the, I think the, the the Red Sox had a one 0 lead going into the fifth. Um, the Yankees tied it up, and then they took the lead in the sixth. And um, that was the point at which the dreaded tarp came out, and uh, you know there, there was no more play after that. It's quite an eventful game, but I got the feeling. You know, this is a long way around of saying it, but I think that might be a little bit of a turning point for the Yankees. They came back the next night and um, they were in control the whole game and beat the Red Sox nine-one. Not saying they're going to sort of go on a massive um, run, but you know I think it could be it could be a bit of a turning point for the Yankees, and they're going to be they're going to be dangerous even with the guys that they're missing.
3: Did you? Was there some fisticuffs involved in the series, Dave? I know it's quite a, a spirited rivalry, but I, I thought I caught some highlights from the night before to um, maybe showing a yeah. couple of rejections or
2: tempers flared. There was, there was a couple of incidents. I always say I did notice earlier on uh, where the great coverage of a uh, ball that was just um, went over the the short porch in right, and I thought, gosh, there's. Uh, Fans are pretty close, and I think you know there's an intimidatory factor at, uh, at the Yankees, to say the least. And uh, what, what you know, I think he's my favorite player, Alex Verdugo, um, young uh, outfielder. And I think mentioned this before, he was mic'd up the last time they were in the Bronx, and he had a good interaction with the uh, the, the Yankee fans you know, who were giving him a lot of stick and he gave it back and there was respect. This time there was a bit of a naughty incident. Apparently what what happened was there was a couple of Red Sox fans in there. He fielded um, a ball and he threw it towards the Red Sox fan. They usually point who they're going to throw it to, but apparently a Yankee fan (laughs) caught it instead. And while, when he turned his back, the Yankee fan threw it back at him and hit him in the back. Now he didn't take very kindly of this, and Alex Cora took the team off, and it was a bit of a bad incident. Later on in the game, there was, um, I think, I'm pretty sure it was the same game, there was a home run, and it looked like one of those, we talked about this before as well, the fan interference things. The um, A Yankee fan caught, leant over the wall. And caught the ball, and this was might have been the go-ahead run or the three-one run, and uh, the Red Sox um, uh, challenged it um, on basis of fan interference, and he definitely did interfere. But they ruled it a home run because it was it was going to be it was going to score anyway. Probably fair enough, but you know, if you're a Red Sox fan, you you know it was a bit of a, and I, I reckon this. You know, really, the fans were going wild. You know, I mean, they—they love it. They the Bronx, they don't call it the Bronx Zoo and nothing, do they? And uh, yeah, I—I I, I wouldn't be surprised if this was—you saw a bit of a, a bit of a return to form for the Yankees.
1: Yeah, I think within the bullpen, with, with uh, Dave's leadership, we're, 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 we root for the Red Sox in the, in the East Division. So. Uh, we're we're quite happy to see those damn Yankees and, and and give the Red Sox our backing from here in Scotland. And the Red Sox guys are, are doing us well. And we've got a fantasy league. We, we did, it's been a couple of weeks since we updated in that, and we we suffered another defeat. Uh, we fell down to eighth place in the fight for the top six for playoffs. We're four and a half games, I think, off sixth place, but. Uh, this is a two-week game, uh, so as we record, we're we're well into. It. We're probably only half the games into it because it's obviously last week didn't have too many games. But we're we're eight-one up uh, this week. Uh, I'm confident we will maintain at least that position. But we're we're tied nil-nil on saves and holds. So I've kept Mister Graveman off the Mariners in the team. He's done a few, but I've got. Uh, Gregory Soto of the Tigers back in and of course Josh Taylor of the Red Sox who's done us a few turns before as well I think mostly the holds from Josh but uh, I'm going for that and if those boys can come good and the other numbers stay the same, I'm predicting a record win for us come this weekend and we'll we'll be back there fighting for our place in the top six Highland bullpen.
2: I was gonna. I saw there was another category um, stealing bases, wasn't and the And Red Sox have called up a guy just talking about uh, the drafts. I mean, he's he's twenty four. He made his debut. Um, he hit in the Bronx, and he he hit his first pitch for um, for a single. And I see he got his first home run the other night. But he's got speed and uh, right. definitely gonna be one who to look out for stealing bases, but I see I checked him out. Someone's already snapped him up. So oh, wow. um stealing Bases this, it's they? quite yeah. a they are yeah they they look out for it. But um yeah so that was a that was a good a good move from Boston to 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 bring him up with all the games that they've got and um yeah he looks like a really good lively player.
1: Yeah, I was struggling to think of a way of finding a a player who's available who'll steal some bases for us because that's a category we score lowly in. But um, that so that was a good spot. Unfortunately, we've been beat to the we've been beat to second base there. So um, we'll, we'll have another. We we look at that and see what else we can do. But we'll, we'll keep battling away. We'll stay true to our principles of picking. Players from our four teams. We're, we're not interested in your, your Tannies and your Bowers and what have you. We we know, we know where our loyalties lie, uh, and say glo- glory or bust with our boys. So, so the week ahead, gents, anything particularly you're looking forward to in the next seven days or so?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't mind kicking off with the White Sox, um, and I didn't really kind of talk about the White Sox recent run of form. Um, but, you know, it feels pretty good, actually, um, getting into things just now. Every part of the team, somebody's always contributing uh, some night. And I, Although they've kind of gone through the recent series since I've been on. Uh, we lost to Detroit, picked up a win over Minnesota, went to Baltimore and swept them. Um, and the really interesting one is just recently we finished up a series with the Astros. So uh, about a month ago, the White Sox travelled to Houston for the first time in a while. And we were we were kind of ravaged with injuries, but they swept us away. And they looked an excellent outfit, uh, and it wasn't just a, a kind of three nil sweep; it was four uh, nil across the the four nights. And they came to Chicago a few nights ago, and they really gave us a doing again in that first night. And you think to yourself, as players, you must think maybe they've got the Indian sign with us. And, um, how do we how do we kind of move on from this? But the White Sox came back and won the next two games, so I think it's really good. If you're going to make the postseason, I think you're going to have to. You may have to face Houston at some point. Really strong outfit. Really, really good group of players. Uh, in terms of what's coming up for the Sox, uh, we're in the middle of a series with Minnesota, who at the moment it looks as if we might be able to do Allen a favour and kind of knock them out a wee bit more. Good stuff. Uh, and then we've got a really tricky couple of games, Milwaukee. Uh, I mean, the Brewers just seem to be on an absolute rip just now. Uh, the I think a lot of people are just speaking about them as a really still underrated team, but they're they're, they're doing really quite well. Um, and then we've got a good, hopefully, a good series against Kansas. We've, we've played really well against them over the over the last eighteen months. I picked up quite a few victories. Um, and then, kind of, at the end of next week, comes um, a three game series against Cleveland who are our biggest rivals. Although they do sit, there's quite a, I think it's the biggest gap at the top of the table just now sits between the, the Sox and, uh, and the Indians in terms of first and second place. Um, but it'd be great to put a little bit more distance between us.
0: For me, Alan, and I think for the Mariners, it's all about the upcoming four-game series against the Oakland A's, which will give us a chance to make up some of that ground that Dave Jr. was talking about with our direct rivals in the division as well. And if we can take that 3-1, for example, even, then that's going to make up a kind of significant difference because it is the classic football-style six-pointer. So, yeah, the Mariners against the A's are what I'm really looking for uh, this week to get that kind of 3-1 minimum. would be fantastic.
1: Dave, anything from the the Red Sox?
2: Yeah, well, they were back to form last night. Um, They uh, put on... A lot of runs, I think, uh, as we were saying, Alex Cora um freshened up the uh the lineup by putting in uh Jaron Duran and um and they put him up the order as well. And they moved um the DH JD Martinez, he's been batting number three all all season, but I see that he you know he's, he's been a bit quiet recently and um. They move into fifth spot, moved um Duran up the second. And it were, I think they scored eight runs in the first innings and won the game 13-4. So hopefully they'll go on. This is against um Toronto, who are still in Buffalo. I believe at the end of the month they're gonna actually move back. Well, they haven't played in Toronto this season, have they? Well, I think they're gonna play in Toronto either the beginning of August um, at the, the end of uh, this month. And um, it reminds me, actually, is of one of the my favourite players is Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who's a first baseman at uh, Toronto. And he won, just in case we're in danger of going a full episode without mentioning my all-time favourite player, he Vladimir Guerrero Jr., scored... A home run in the All Star Game, and it turned out to be the. He's another guy that doesn't do anything by halves, and that was the 200 um, home run scored in an All Star Game. The first was scored by uh, Babe Ruth in 1933 at Comiskey Park, and the second was um, the the hundredth was by Jimmy Wynn, um, Vladimir's father. Senior also played in the All-Star game alongside other other father and son combinations: Ken Griffey Jr. and Senior, and Bobby and Barry Bonds and um, Vlad. Won the um, he got the MVP, and he's the youngest player. I think he's I think he's only 22. He gets the he was the youngest MVP. In history of the All-Star Game, and he was awarded the Ted Williams Award from the Commissioner, which was a glass or crystal baseball bat. So there you are.
1: Is there a better award in baseball?
2: No, I don't think so.
1: <laughs> how how else can we finish the show but by talking about the Ted Williams Award? So congratulations. What a <laughs> what 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 a what are we? trophy to have in your your trophy cabinet so good stuff well done. Uh, we hope you've all enjoyed listening uh, and we'll be back soon with our own take and update on from the Highland bullpen uh, in due course folks. Thanks for listening.